Carl. Well, I am so excited to get to share with you guys this morning. I'm Shayla. I'm actually Pastor TJ's wife, and he just got back from a trip to South Africa, and he's kind of been recovering from that and just taking time to rest, and he's actually this morning gone to visit some other churches because if you know anything about us, we are passionate about the local church and about encouraging other pastors and other ministries. And he's just excited to get to go share in relationship with some other pastors this morning. So I get the privilege of bringing you the word this morning. And I'm so excited because God has really been doing something inside of me. And I just want to be able to share that with you guys. So I hope that you're ready to receive some good stuff this morning because I am pumped up about it. So if you guys don't know anything about me probably, but I come from a big family. And I'm the oldest of six kids. And if you know anything about the oldest, they're the smartest, they're the prettiest, they're, you know, they have everything going on. And they're pretty much the most amazing kids in the world if you're an oldest. Can I get a what's up if you're the oldest? That's right. All right. I'm just kidding with you guys. But do you know that we grow up in these families and we grow up in the same environment as our brothers and our sisters? But have you ever realized how different our lives end up being? We can grow up in the same environment, we can grow up with the same morals, the same values, but sometimes our lives begin to change as we grow older and we have different perspective on things. And even though you grow up in the same house with someone, your life ends up looking very different. I know my life is different from my sister's lives, my brother's lives, and it's just kind of crazy how those things happen and how our perspective changes as we get older. And you know, I think there's two types of people in this world. You know, you could probably go around this room and you can ask someone, you know, the same, well, different married couple, but you could say, how's your marriage? And one person would say, oh man, it's awesome. And the other couple might say, man, this is struggling. It's rough right now. You could ask somebody about their career and say, man, how's your job going? And they'd be like, my job is incredible. I love what I'm doing. You could ask somebody else and they'd be like, man, I'm so, this is rough. Like, I hate what I'm doing. I am not about my job. I don't like this. You could ask someone about their relationship with God, and one person might say, man, it's solid. I am moving forward. God's doing incredible things in my life. And you ask another person, and they might be really floundering and trying to find that relationship with God. There's so many different perspectives in how we view things in life, and I think that sometimes these two types of people view things differently because maybe one views through the eyes of, of faith faith and opportunity and, and amazing things can happen and maybe somebody else views it through fear. And man, all I see is the obstacles that are in front of me and we just begin to look at things totally and completely different because it might be the same situation, it's just what lens we have on and how we're viewing things through. And you know what, one might see opportunity where the other sees problems. One might see intimacy where the other person may see heartache. You know, one person says, I can, and the other person says, I can't. It's two different viewpoints on how they see a situation. And so basically today I want to talk to you out of the book of Numbers. And you might think, Numbers, man, that's a rough book. Like the Old Testament, like what good can come out of that? But we're going to look at this, this chapter 13, and we're going to kind of pick up with the Israelites. And if you know anything about the Israelites... God has rescued them out of Egypt. They were basically slaves in Egypt. And God has rescued them out of Egypt 
they're in the wilderness now, but he pretty much parted the Red Sea. He rained food from heaven to feed them. Like, he's given them all these amazing things and done all of these miracles in their life, and they're still struggling to trust God. And so basically where we're going to pick up is they're on the edge of the promised land, the land that God had promised them, and God's telling Moses to do something. And so if you guys will turn with me in Numbers 13, I just want to share some principles that I've gleaned from this story. Numbers 13.1 says, The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan. And Canaan was the, basically the promised land for them. And it, he says, Which I am giving the Israelites. You see, God is pretty much saying here, I have this promised land. I have this amazing promise for you. I'm basically handing it to you. But I need you to do something first. I need you to go and I need you to look at this land and I need you to explore this land before I can give it to you. And here's what I understand through this scripture is that the promise doesn't happen unless we take action. If you guys understand, like in the Bible, there's all these promises. There's over 7,000 promises in the Bible. But every promise has a premise. In order to receive that promise, there's something that you have to do. And God's saying, I have this amazing promise. I have this amazing thing for you, but I need you to take action. Because how many of you guys know, when you have to do something, you have a little bit more ownership. You appreciate that thing you get more. And so what I want you to understand this morning is God has some incredible promises for you in your life. There's some things that he's birthed inside of you or called you to do, but you have to take action. You have to step out and you have to do something. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about we, what we don't see. See, having faith means believing that something can happen. It means that you're trusting God and believing that he can do something incredible even when you don't see it. Faith means you have to take action, you have to apply something, you have to do something in order to see God move in your life. You know, when I was growing up, TJ and I met when we were about 10 or 11 years old. And we grew up together, and pretty much our families went to the same church. My parents were the youth pastors. We, you know, pretty much born in the church, raised in the church. That's all we knew. But anyways, we, 10 years old, we met each other. Probably about 13 years old, we're like best friends. We do everything together. And I'm major tomboy growing up, so... We're out in front of my house, and we had a basketball hoop, and we're playing basketball every single day. We would play basketball. We wouldn't talk to each other. We would just play. And you would see our parents peeking out the window, and you knew they were saying, they're going to get married one day. It was almost like an arranged marriage pretty much for us. But anyway, so we would play basketball every single day. And from about 13 to 16, we were, like, close. Nothing could separate us. We were always together. But here's the deal. He was so in love with me, and he's not here this morning, so I can, like, you know, say whatever I want. So he was so in love with me, he would write me these love notes, like, four-page, like, double-spaced, you know, like, pretty cursive. You know, he, like, crumbled it up and threw it away five times because there wasn't a scratch on it. So he would write me these love notes, and I was like, who is this guy? You know, this, he's such a nerd. Why is he writing this stuff to me? You know, I was like, who does this? And so anyways, it was just, he was in love with me. And about 16 years old, we got into high school, and 
he got a girlfriend and I got a boyfriend. And so in high school, I was an athlete. I played basketball all four years of high school. And um, about my junior year, I started dating this guy and probably wasn't the best relationship for me to be in. And I dated him for, for about four years from when I was a junior all the way through um, my second year of college. And growing up in the church, I knew a lot about God, but I never really knew God. Like, I never really had that, that heart, that moment where something changed and I wanted to do good. But because I grew up in the church, I was constantly like, oh, this is all rules, this is what I can and can't do, you know, whatever. I don't want any part of that. And so I did my own thing in this relationship, and it cost me a lot because this guy that I was with just constantly put me down, constantly, like, cheating on me, constantly pursuing other people, and my self-esteem just began to go down and down and down. And so I'm with these guys for that four years and still going to church, and I remember one day being in church and just standing in the back, and I was so far from God, and I was standing in the back, and all of a sudden I just felt this overwhelming presence of, this isn't what I have for your life. I'm just kind of like, yeah, whatever, I don't know what that, you know, I don't know what that means. And over and over again, I just, I'm standing there and I was feeling like, this isn't the plan that I have for your life. And I remember just breaking down and starting to cry and going, I, I really don't understand this, but, but saying, okay, God, I surrender. Like, I'm sorry, I can't live like this anymore, and I, I know that I have to do something. So I went home and I called this guy, and I'm like, sorry can't be with you anymore. And I broke it off with him. But here's the deal. The promise doesn't happen unless we take action. And that day, God spoke something inside of me, and even though I didn't understand it, and even though I didn't know what the end result was going to look like, I had to do something. And if I wouldn't have done something on that day, if I wouldn't have gone and broken up with that guy, I wouldn't be standing up here today I wouldn't be married to TJ because it was probably a month later that TJ and I reconnected. And that might not have happened if I wouldn't have said, okay, God, I surrender. And I'm going to do something. Even though it's uncomfortable for me, I'm going to do it. And my life is so much more amazing than I could have ever imagined because I know where that guy is now. And I can tell you, it wouldn't have been pretty for me. And... I am so grateful for the opportunity and just for the, for the chance to say, okay, God, I surrender. And Kevin Geary says that success happens not by chance, but because you were given a chance and you took advantage of it. See, every day we have a chance. We have an opportunity to take action and move forward in the things that God's called us to do. Let's look at Numbers 13, 25 and pick up the story again. It says, at the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community. So basically, they're coming out from spying out the land. And they, there they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. And Moses gave this account. He said, we went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified, and they're very large. And we even saw the descendants of Anak there. You see, here's what I see is they all went in, and they all saw the same thing. 
They all saw the same scene, but what we're going to find out in just a minute is they had a very different perspective. Each one of them had a different perspective, and here's one thing that I know, is some of them chose to focus on the positive, and some of them chose to focus on the negative. And my next point is that our focus determines our response. What we focus on determines how we respond in situations and what we do. If you look at the next scripture, it says, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses, and he said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. And then it continues on and said, But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, The land that we explored devours those that are living in it. And the people we saw there of great size, we saw Nephilim there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. And you start seeing how different their perspective was. You saw Caleb, who was like, let's do this. You know what? God promised us this. He, he told us before, this is the land I'm giving you, so let's go do this. Because God obviously has a plan. But these other people are looking at it, and all they're doing is focusing on the obstacles. All they're doing is focusing on, man, there's giants there. They're going to devour us. They don't remember the things that God did for them, how he brought them out of Egypt. He parted the Red Sea. He provided for them. He did all of these things, and they've forgotten that, and they've lost that trust. So what you focus on in your life determines how you respond in situations. And you know what? Fear causes us to focus on the obstacles and the things that are before us. And faith causes us to focus on the promise and the potential that God has for us. And I think we do this a lot of times in our life as we forget the things that God's done for us. We forget the amazing things that he's brought us through and, and how he's saved us and rescued us for so much, and we just begin to forget those things. And what I want to ask you guys today is what action do you need to take in your life? What have you been focusing on? What obstacles have you been focused on that have maybe got you sidetracked from the things that God wants you to do? What things in your life have you just kind of neglected or, or let fall by the side because you are so scared that something bad is going to happen? And maybe today is the day that you need to take that first step. And you need to say, God, I trust you. You know, when we were planting this church, it's been just over two years. But TJ and I came from another church plant in Bradenton where we had been on staff. Um, well, TJ was on staff for about seven years. And we were part of that church since almost the very beginning. And this church grew from like 60 people. Now it's one of the fastest growing churches in America. And they have thousands of people attending on a weekly basis. And we got to be part of something incredible. And during that time where TJ was so happy in his job and I had a great job, then God started stirring inside of us and we knew that something was about to happen and God was going to call us to do something and we started feeling that like God was telling us to plant a church. And we're like, okay God, what does that look like? And so we start looking for all these different areas. We're looking at Tampa and Port St. Lucie and Naples and all these different places. And we had one friend that lived here. He's like, hey, guys, come over here. I just want to show you this area. And we're like, fine, but we're not going there. We don't know anybody. And 
God just began to do something inside of us for this community. And let me tell you, the obstacles to do this were huge. We knew one family. We didn't have any funds. We didn't have a place to meet. We didn't know anybody. Like, we could have focused on so many obstacles rather than the call that God has placed in our heart. And every time I look out here at you guys today, I say, thank God that we focused on the thing that God had placed inside of us and not on the insurmountable obstacles that we thought we were facing. And there's still obstacles today. There's still things that we face today that we constantly have to focus and say, okay, God, you called us to this. And there's probably some things in your life that, that you've maybe let go of or you've allowed to fall away, and God wants you to begin to take your focus and shift it onto trusting him and having faith in him and allowing him to do something incredible in your life. And for you, stepping out in faith, maybe that means that you invite somebody to come to church with you. Maybe it means that you join a small group. Maybe it means that you lead a small group. Maybe it means that you volunteer in our kids' ministry or in some, one of the service areas or you go on a missions trip or you help with one of our outreaches. Or maybe, you know what, we got, just got done with this financial series and maybe God's saying, you know what, I want you to step out in faith and I want you to practice tithing. And every single one of these things, you probably look out and say, well, God, how am I going to do that? I don't even have any money. Where is that going to come from? You know, and we start looking at all the obstacles, but here's what I know with God, is that our circumstances do not matter when God tells us to do something. It does not matter what circumstances we are in when God tells us to do something, because everybody starts somewhere. In Numbers 14, 5, we pick up the story, and it says, Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of somebody, who were among those who explored the land. <laughs> they tore their clothes, and they said to the entire Israelite community, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. And here's what I know. God has something exceedingly good for you guys. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He has something that he designed for you to accomplish in your life. And regardless of our circumstances, he wants to do something. In chapter 8, or verse 8, it says, If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And again, he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. See, Caleb's saying, look, trust God. Stop looking at everything else. Stop rebelling and turning your back and saying, well, I know you did all those things, God, but I don't know if I can trust you now. I know you did all these things in my life, but I'm not sure that I can trust you now. He's saying, don't rebel against the Lord. And he continues and he says, do not be afraid of the people in the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone and the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them which is totally opposite of the report that the other people gave. See, it didn't matter what they were facing because Caleb trusted God and he was focusing on the promise that God had already given him, the promise that they were going to inhabit that land, that it didn't matter what it looked like, they were going to inhabit that land. And when God calls you, here's what I know, there's always some sort of fear. 
it was so scary coming here to plant this church because I'm like, what if no one shows up? What if we can't even meet anybody? What if we don't get anybody on our team? What if, like, there's so much fear that can distract us from the things that God wants us to do? And God has this habit of asking people to do stuff that is scary. And it might be, for you, maybe it's fear of inadequacy or fear of failure or fear of just losing something in general. But one way or the other, there is fear. But what we focus on during those times What we focus on is what matters. And here's what I know. Fear keeps you focused on the giants when you could already be living in the promised land. And maybe some of you guys have been focusing so much on your circumstances and the things that you're facing right now that you've almost missed what God's telling you to do. And I want today to be that time where you guys refocus And you say, God, I know there's some things that you've birthed inside of me. I know there's some things that you want me to do. You know what? Maybe you're not even a Christian in here this morning, and you're like, I just want to do something with my life. I want to experience what you're talking about. I want to know the promises and the plans that are for my life. And we need to begin to shift our focus. Because let me tell you something about promises that usually... We see them, but it's scary, the action that we have to take and what we have to do to accomplish that. It's dangerous. Sometimes it seems impossible, but faith takes risk. It requires something of us. It requires us to step out and take a risk in our life. And why risk? Why do we risk? And I think there's a couple things. And the first reason is the only way to experience real growth in our life. If you never risk, if you never take a step, if you just stay where you are your entire life, you never experience growth. It's stagnant. It just stays in one place. And it is exhilarating when you take a step and you do something and you see your life begin to change. The next thing is it's the way that true faith develops. You know, so many of us, myself included, we say, I have faith I believe that God can do all these things, but we never do anything. We never take a step. And I ask you guys, if you say you have faith, what are you doing? Are you taking a step? Are you activating your faith? Are you doing something with that? Because if you're not activating it, if you're not doing it, do you really have faith? And we need to start to do something with that faith that's inside of us. You know what? Faith takes risk, and it challenges us to grow. It challenges us to get uncomfortable. It challenges us to discover the gifts and the talents and the abilities and the purpose that God has for our life. You know, Larry Loudon, he's a philosopher of science, and he studied risk management. And he wrote 19 principles, and his first one was that everything is risky. If you, st- if you think that it's not risky and you've never stepped out in faith, and you don't want risk in your life, then you're in the wrong species. Because everything is risky in our life. So if you stay home at bed, in bed, let's say that, you could be one of the half million Americans who require emergency room treatment, 
every year for injuries sustained while falling out of bed. You can cover your windows, but that could make you one of the 10 people every year who accidentally hang themselves on their vertical blind cord. You can hide your money under your mattress, but that could make you one of the tens of thousands of people who go to the emergency room every year for wounds caused by handling money. Whether it's paper cuts or maybe if you're wealthy from a hernia, you know, you could be one of those people. Everything is risky in our life. Michael Jordan said this. He said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot, and I missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life. And what do we consider Michael Jordan? One of the greatest athletes there ever was. Because he took risks. He did something. He didn't just stand there and say, I don't want the ball. He wanted the ball in his hands. He wanted to take that risk. Because here's the thing. If you never step up to the plate, you never hit a home run. Two out of three, two out of three times that the greatest hitters in the world step up to the plate, they fail. And if you never step up to the plate, you never know the glory of what it is to hit a home run. Everything is risky. You guys know the saying, no risk, no reward. To have faith and achieve the promise and the purpose that God has for you, you have to step out and take a risk. Because our future depends on it. Your future depends on it. Because your faith determines your future. And here's the thing. We can either seize the moment or we can be seized by the moment. And you know what? The Israelites continued to look at that situation. They continued to say, God, I don't trust you. I don't know, there's too many giants, there's too many obstacles, there's too many things that's going to keep us away from the land that you told us we could have. And they continued to fear those things. And you know what happened? They missed out. They missed out on entering that promised land. On the destiny that God had reserved for them because they forgot the things that God did. And they didn't trust in Numbers 14, 20, it says, the Lord replied, because basically Moses was saying, God, forgive them. They're stupid. You know, I, I don't know. And the Lord replied and said, I have forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the earth, not one of those who saw my glory in the signs I performed in, is, in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, none of them will ever see the land that I promised on oath to their ancestors. Not one of them who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. You see, Caleb's faith formed his destiny. And the faith that he had to believe that God was going to do what he promised to do. And because he focused on the things that God said, I'm going to give you this. His faith formed his destiny and what God wanted him to do. And see, the other people, they missed out. Because they allowed fear to be their focus. And fear distracted them from their destiny. 
And see, Jesus is looking for a people that want to live by faith. He's looking for people to step out and take a risk, to begin to, to focus on the things that he has called them to do. You know, sometimes we look at things and we look at the obstacles that are in our life and, and we don't understand and we say, God, how is this even possible? Do you know me? I screw everything up. You know, and I want to tell you guys this story about this 10-year-old boy. And he had decided to, to study judo. Despite the fact he had lost his left arm in a car accident. And he began lessons with this judo master. And as he was training, three months goes by and the master had only taught him one move. Finally, the boy got up enough guts to go to him and he said sensei shouldn't I be learning more moves by now and he replied and he said this is the only move you know but it's the only move you'll ever know and the boy didn't quite understand it but he was like okay I trust you and he kept on going and several months later the sensei took the boy to um, a match. First match he won, second match he won, third match was a little bit more challenging, but after some time his opponent became impatient and just started to charge at him, and the boy used his one move to pin him, and he won that match. And still amazed by his success, he continued on, he was now in the finals. And this time the opponent was bigger, he was stronger, he was more experienced. And for a while it appeared that this boy was way overmatched. And concerned that this boy might get hurt, the referee begins to stop the fight because he, he thought that something's going to happen to this kid and I got to do something. And the boy's sensei stepped in, he said, no, let him continue. And soon after the match resumed, his opponent made a critical mistake and he dropped his guard. And instantly the boy moved in and he pinned him. And the boy won the match, he won the tournament, and he was the champion. And so as they're driving home, the sensei and, and the boy are just reviewing each match and each move and what happened. And, Finally, the boy gets enough courage to ask the sensei what was really on his mind. And he said, sensei, how did I win this tournament with only one move? And his sensei said, you won for two reasons. First, you've almost mastered one of the most difficult moves in all of judo. And second, the only known defense for this move is for your opponent to grab your left arm. You see, this boy, what he thought was his biggest weakness was his greatest strength. And I want to tell you guys this morning that God knows what you're up against. He knows our failures. He knows our faults. He knows how to defeat our circumstances no matter what they are. And all he's asking you guys to do is trust him. 
He's saying, have faith in me. I want these victories to happen in your life. There's some of you guys out there that have been allowing your fear to hold you back from so much. And I hope that today is the day that we can master faith, that we can master taking a step, that we can step outside what is comfortable to us and we can begin to make a difference. Because today is the first day of the rest of your life. And today you can walk out of here and you can say, I'm not focusing on those things anymore because I know my God and I know what he's promised me and I've seen what he's done in my life and I'm ready to take that step. And maybe some of you guys here, maybe you've, you've fallen away. Maybe you've really lost that sense of trusting God and today's the day that you need to make a choice and say, God, I surrender. I want your purpose in my life. I want those things to happen in my life. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. And today you're saying, God, I want to trust you with my life. Today is the day that you guys can make a choice in your life for your life to be different so that you can pursue the dreams, the gift, the purpose that he has for your life. And if you guys will just bow with your heads with me for just a moment. If you guys are in here this morning and you're saying, God, I failed and I haven't been trusting you, but today's the day that I wanna come back into that with you. I wanna trust you with my life. I wanna trust you with my future. If you guys will just lift your hand. 